This is Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. But the British government failed. The Russian government failed. The Japanese government failed. The German government failed. And the United States of America government, when it came to treating her citizens of Indian descent fairly, she failed. She put them on reservations. When it came to treating her citizens of Japanese descent fairly, she failed. She put them in internment prison camps. When it came to treating the citizens of African descent fairly, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of high education and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America. No, no, no. Not God bless America. God America's chickens! Coming home to Rooster. Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Transforming truth truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Matrix is a system, Neil. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease. A cancer of this planet. You are a plague. And we are a cure. So you're here to save the world. I'm trying to free your mind, Neil. But I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through you believe in things you don't understand, you're 
And now to our common ground with Janice Graham. And good evening and thank you for joining us here tonight at our common ground. It is September 11th, 2021. And this is the 35th episode of our common ground for season 2021, which we are going to begin shortly uh, bringing to a close. We're glad to have you with us. Our number is 347-838-9852. And if you've never been with us, tonight is open mic night. But our open mic is always focused on a particular theme. And our theme tonight is the glitch in the matrix. I don't know how many of you have uh, seen the film, The Matrix. Uh, Tomorrow, the sequel, The Matrix Revolution, will air. And I really didn't know that until after I made some decisions around what the focus of this open mic night would be. So we're happy to have you with us, and if you have not seen the film, if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, we're going to try to give you some insight, because I think that the film helps us to peel back some of the onion of our citizenry in the United States of America, unless you are totally out of it and off the grid, you'll know that today is the 20th anniversary of the September 11 attacks, also called the 9-11 attacks, which was a series of airline hijackings and suicide attacks committed in 2001 by 19 militants associated with the Islamic extremist group al-Qaeda against targets in the United States, the deadliest terrorist attacks on American soil in U.S. history. The attacks against New York City and Washington, D.C. caused extensive deaths and destruction and triggered an enormous U.S. effort to combat terrorism, and we all know that as was coined by the then President of the United States, George W. Bush, the War on Terror. Some 2,750 people were killed in New York, 184 at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and 40 in Pennsylvania, where one of the hijacked planes crashed after the passengers attempted to retake the plane. All 19 terrorists died. Police and fire departments in New York were especially hit hard. Hundreds had rushed to the scenes of the attack, and more than 400 police officers and firefighters were killed. Now, the September 9-11 attacks were precipitated in large part because of Osama bin Laden, 
who was then the leader of the militant Islamic organization Al-Qaeda. Not Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda. And he held uh, beliefs about the United States in the run-up to the attacks. Um, Abu Walid al-Masari, an Egyptian who was a bin Laden associate in Afghanistan in the 1980s and 90s, explained during the investigation that in the years prior to the attacks, bin Laden became increasingly convinced that America was weak. In Masari's uh, own words, he said he believed that the United States was much weaker than some of those around him thought. And as evidence, he referred to what happened to the United States in Beirut when the bombing of the Marine base led um, uh, Al-Qaeda to flee from Lebanon, uh, referring to the destruction of the Marine barracks there in um, 1983. The key operational planner of the 9-11 attacks was Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, often referred to simply as KSM in, and referred to in that way in the 9-11 Commission report, and in media, who spent his youth in Kuwait Khalid Sheikh Mohammed became active in the Muslim Brotherhood, which he joined at a very early age and received, he received, he, he joined the Muslim Brotherhood at age 16, and then he went to the United States, or came to the United States to attend college, and he received a degree from North Carolina, A&T, in 1986, then he traveled back to, uh, not back to, but he traveled to Pakistan and then Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan to wage jihad against the Soviet Union. And you know most of the rest of the story. Americans gathered all over this country uh, today to commemorate those who were lost, those who were traumatized, those who were injured, and those who lost loved ones as a result of the 9-11 attacks. And it would be remissive of us at our common ground if we do, did not acknowledge and also pause on this 20th anniversary. I invite your calls in this first hour if you'd like to talk about uh, where you were, whether you had losses. Uh, many Americans uh, portrayed that attack uh, as stunning. And many Americans were unaware of the kind of foreign affairs, foreign wars, and conflicts that we 
had been engaged and involved in as a country. And 9-11 brought a rude awakening to American citizens about how much we were involved. It it also... uh, um, um, tells us essentially how much we don't connect the dots in this country. And, and I always ask people the question, do you remember when terrorists tried to bomb the Word, Word Trade Center before 9-11 and we ignored them? And then eight years later they brought down both buildings? We ignore moments like this. We don't connect the dots. And I just want to emphasize two things uh, as I remember and commemorate um, September 11th or 9-11. We also have ignored the moments like January 6th and the situation that occurred two weeks ago at the Library of Congress Uh, with a potential bomber, and we do so at our peril. Uh, The other part of September 11th, I'll talk about on the other side, of just spending a few minutes commemorating and understanding. There are people who will say, that 9-11 was the day that America cried. 9-11 was the day that Americans uh, came to halt and to uh, not be divided along any lines. And all of that may be true, but it's all based upon uh, your recollection as well as your perspective on what those attacks meant. But none of us will deny that it was a tragic and sad day, not only for Americans, but for the rest of the world. Because what it ignited was more than 20 years, well, 20 years, it it, it ignited 20 years of uh, warfare where Americans gave their lives in this war on terror. It also created the circumstances under which most Americans do not trust their government. It brought to question the role of both Congress and the President. And it created circumstances under which those who are not engaged or do not hold, as we talked about last week, do not hold democracy as a goal to undermine the people of this country. And I think that we have to be very, very clear 
that it also was in tragic, tragic circumstances which allowed war hawking uh, by very uh, people who did not have the interests of security in mind. And we're going to talk about that on the other side. Uh, we're also going to get to this whole issue of the glitch in the matrix. In, in the matrix. Thank you for joining us. And on the other side, we're going to talk about 9-11. American 11, are you trying to call? The cockpit is not answering their phone. Our number one is in staff, and our five is in staff. I am going to call from Washington. I am in a situation where the Americans learned a possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The crap is erratic again. Problem, very erratic. North of Crystal City. Just to the north of your town. Yeah, stop all the parkers. Pentagon just got hit. Don't say that. God damn, I can't protect my NCA. United 93, that traffic for you is 1 o'clock, 12 miles eastbound 370. Negative contact, we're looking at United 93. United 93, Cleveland, if you hear the center right then. I got that piece of dark. Tuesday, 9.47 a.m. Hi, baby. I'm, baby, you have to listen to me carefully. I'm on a plane that's been hijacked. I'm on the plane. I'm calling from the plane. I want to tell you I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. And I'm so sorry, babe. I hope to be able to see your face again, baby. I love you. Bye. We're five six eight six five. We have a, uh, I believe it is a uh, Boeing seven fifty seven. Can you see him up there, sir? That's concerned. Uh, it looks like he's rocking his wings. Roger. He's rocking back and forth. We're five six eight six five. I advise you stay away from that aircraft. Go north as fast as you can. United nine three. Have you got information on that yet? Yeah, he's down. He's down? Yes. When did he land? He did not land. 
Yeah, somewhere up northeast of Camp David. Sean, it's me. I just wanted to let you know I love you, and I'm stuck in this building in New York. There's lots of smoke, and you just wanted you to know that I love you. What is... At number two, World Trade Center, right? Maybe his food is in the back, and we're not ready to die, but it's getting bad. Oh, God! And I know for some of you that might have been particularly harsh to stay with, but um, it is the recording at the TSA, Travel Security Administration, um, with FAA technicians and communications to the planes that went into the Pentagon Tower 1 and Tower 2 at the World Trade Center. I will always remember um, being in the shower getting ready to go into the office. And um, getting a phone call to turn on the TV. And there it was. Um, I proceeded to get dressed to drive to the train station and get on the train. And as I arrived at the front of the Tip O'Neill Federal Building, it occurred to me, why are you walking into a federal building? And I backed up went down the street to a coffee shop and my phone rang and it was the love of my life calling me and saying, don't come in to the building, go home. And then the phone rang again and it was my darling daughter saying, Mom, where are you? And that is when 
it all hit me that we were a lot of people all in danger. And it was a week later that I started doing the body count. Um, A small sales office of 132 people who I knew their names. I knew who they were. I had met some of them. All died. I was friends with five people in that office even after I had left the company. And then I became aware uh, the day after that a young man that I absolutely loved, and I was his mentor through our church for many years, also worked in Tower 2. And lucky and fate and God's grace, he was late for work that morning. I lost two friends at the Pentagon, and it occurred to me that we all lost. But part of the loss was for the same kinds of fears that we have today around January 6th, and that is they altered, they revised, and they kept secret the kind of intelligence that would have us, not to say that we would have avoided it, but the kind of intelligence that the United States of America intelligence organizations had that would help would have helped us to be at ready. And we can thank Donald Rumsfeld, and Condoleezza Rice and the George W. Bush White House for that. And I'm saying all of these things not to, well, you know, I I woke up this morning on the 20th anniversary thinking to myself, why isn't George Bush, Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, and that whole CI, the I can't think of the guy who his name is Tennyson or Tense or somebody, George George Tense or George Tennyson, who was the CIA director at the time. Why aren't they in jail? Condoleezza Rice is off. She lied about the intelligence report. George Bush lied about why we went to war with Iraq. Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney lied and set up the network of lies that led us to Iraq. And the rest is history. Twenty years later, dead bodies all over the place. Our number is 347-838-9852. If you would like to call us and share uh, some comments that you have 
about this 20th anniversary of um, 9-11 attacks. And what is really interesting is that they, they are still trying to portray this as something other than an intelligence failure. Every year, there are commemoration services where they call the names of those who died at the Pentagon and those who died at the World Trade Center. And and, and we keep, and, and, and if you look at the 20-year history of the struggle of survivors, those who were injured and families who are trying to survive the grief of losing loved ones on that day, it tells you a lot about who we are as a country. And we continue the same behavior. And, you know, I've been thinking about 9-11 a lot. I've been thinking about a conversation that I was having with Jack, the coffee shop owner where I retreated to. It was the place where I went for my coffee, I went for lunch. Jack's not in business down in the north end of Boston anymore, but I was thinking about a conversation that I had with Jack. Jack was an immigrant uh, from the Balkans, and he came to this country as a young man, and he had a a number of business undertakings, but I loved his coffee shop. Um, and, and, And he was saying that, Uh, before my darling daughter drove all the way downtown Boston, downtown Boston to pick me up with her, Miles was one month old, with her one month old infant, because she didn't want me to get on the train. Because no one knew on that day whether there were other targets. By the time, by by noontime, there was information which most Americans understood that there could be more targets, that it was so easy for these uh, attackers to have hijacked planes. And part of that easy was these people had been in this country for more than two years training and preparing for these attacks. And it all goes back to our interference in Pakistan and Lebanon. And then here we are two weeks ago having thrown in um, the towel on 20 years in Afghanistan. Which we entered into 
precipitously. And in this country, and I, I think my whole point and what we have to use 9-11 to understand is that we cannot continue to ride on the American uh, political principle that this is a, that we are exceptional. And all of our lives have been changed from what happened 20 years ago. I mean, have you forgotten about Abu Ghraib? Have you forgotten about Guantanamo Bay? Have we forgotten all the lessons along the way? And I have concluded that we have. And that is, and part of the evidence is the slow motion of the investigation of January 6, 2021. The lack of robust aggression. I'm sorry, I'm doing a lot of coughing still. Robust aggression in the investigation of what happened there. The lack of straightforward accountability for government officials, for Congress people who were involved in that. <coughs> <coughs> I apologize. So our number is 347-838-98, and we will open up our lines for your calls on 9-11. Um, we're going to talk about 9-11 in another, um, in another way um, later. But I did want to mention that we have to be vigilant about how we connect the dots. I'm going to have to take a little break, and I'll be right back. Got to clear my throat. Thank you for being with us. can't be a sissy and and get old. Getting old is not for sissies. (laughs) So tonight at Our Common Ground, we are going to look at the matrix. 
And in looking at the matrix, one of the things that we want to do is look at the American arc of history. Donald Trump's election as the President of the United States was no shock to any of us. The functional preamble remains that all white men are created superior and those who subscribe to it are periodically compelled to stick it in the face of black folks. And now, since 9-11, brown and Muslim folks too, even if it comes at considerable cost, to this nation and this nation's world standing. It did not matter that under President Obama, the unemployment rate fell to 4.9% from the 10% he inherited from George W. Bush. It did not matter that under Obama's Affordable Care Act, which insured millions more Americans than under Bush. It did not matter that many of Obama's policies put money in the pockets of the working class, such as dramatically raising the federal salary threshold to collect overtime pay, or the Lilly Ledbetter Act, for fair pay, pay based on gender. Despite all of that, he was so much like all presidents before him. He was like them. The same kind of occupant of the White House as Bush and Clinton and Kennedy. And I won't compare him to Reagan and George H. Bush, but almost, but ultimately the people in this country would elect an obnoxious, underachieving, corny, egomaniac con man to ensure that an Obama would never again usher shadows onto the carpets of the White House in their sacred places. But, you know, since none of that mattered, all of Trump's rhetoric about everything in America being a disaster was a smokescreen for the consolidation of crude white power. The majority of white Americans, a century and a half after the end of slavery, still spectacularly preferred economic uncertainty in exchange for returning black people to their place and now sending brown immigrants and Muslims back home. But we have to recall that early uh, in the Trump candidacy, one of my favorite columnists wrote in the Boston Globe, Charlie Pierce, that his hateful, you know, it was really interesting. When Charlie wrote this, 
it's almost like it was imprinted on my brain. He wrote that his hateful nonsense meant for white people who still think the country is theirs is a death rattle for the most crude form of white privilege. And when I read that, I I was hoping that Trump's election be a death rattle for that kind of snake, not for those whom the stake would bite or strike. Finally, and most disturbing of all, there was the 74 million Americans who voted for Trump last November despite his record of governing incompetence, crystallized by the COVID-19 debacle and and toxic toxic divide-and-conquer politics to say nothing that he literally ran a a global criminal enterprise out of the White House and throughout the government. In The Matrix, the film describes a future in which reality perceived by humans is actually the matrix, a simulated reality created by machines in order to pacify and subdue the human population while their bodies, heat, and electrical activities are used as an, as an energy source. In other words, <coughs> damn. In other words, it was a dream inside of a dream. In Matrix parlance, and you can probably tell I am a huge fan of the Matrix film. In Matrix parlance, language, red pills are those who are aware of the Matrix construct while black pills are for those who are not, I mean blue pills, and often used admonishment, and Dick Gregory used to say this all the time, that black people would be realistic, to be clear about the political nuances of our citizenship. Um, Dick Gregory used to um, um, say, now wait a minute, <laughs> are, you, are, are you taking the red pill, you taking the blue pill? In the film, The Matrix, it gives us some conceptual idea about the representation of a system of control that operates completely in the mind. And I recommend that all of you uh, and I'm hoping that after we talk tonight, that all of you will, if you haven't wa- seen the film, that you will watch it, watch the movie. Because the new movie's coming tomorrow, and I'm turning off all phones. System is a complex machine-driven program. It appropriates any personal, political, or ideological leanings 
and renders humans wholly false. It allows illusions, but no action. And there are many scholars and academicians who have been been on this on this broadcast who have referred to much of our circumstances politically and culturally and the misrepresentation and the lack of progress and the lack 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 the lack of achievement of some power and, and control is comparative to the matrix. But here, here's what I've been thinking, that the problem with the matrix, that the people who have built the political, economic, and cultural um, matrix in this country controlling other people and reserving power for themselves, they depend that that system has no glitch. You know what a glitch is? A hiccup, uh, a tear, that when something's supposed to happen and it doesn't happen because something else happened. Get me? That is what black people are in the matrix, in the social, economic, political matrix in this country. And I was thinking about this a lot as I was talking to the Dr. DeGene Bajalan last week that these people have set up a system to ensure that we think what they want us to think, we see what they want us to see, we hear what they want us to hear. And I'm going to talk about uh, a number of things as to how that operates. Remember the discussion, if you were with us last week, and I was asking uh, Dr. Bajalan, how how it works, how how repressive systems work in our lives, and and as I was thinking about it during the week, I was thinking, you know, when they put together the machines to put into place the matrix of social economic and political control in this country, what they fail to do is they fail to have a backup or a succinct backup or counter or a capture when there is a glitch. And and it came to me the Stevie Wonder song superstitious superstition. 
You know, in that song he says, when you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. Because of our history, because of our journey in this country as black people, we understand that when you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. So we have essentially never believed in this white man's nation matrix because it we we understood that it was built on the superstition of american exceptionalism and we understood our journey told us that there is no way in hell that this country is exceptional they have done what all other countries have done and slavery interprets for us that their matrix is is simply a dream within a dream. And as black people, we are the glitch. Now, I don't know how many of you, and I'm sure most of you, were with us when we did our black history uh, history of political movements and Dr. James Taylor, which we will always be grateful, did a four-week um, special uh, lecture. And one of the things that Dr. Taylor told us is that we have always been the exception in this country. The other thing that he told us, and he said it over and over in each one of his lectures, he said that we have taught this country a lesson about its own hypocrisy and fragility. That we have been the one which has ignited, uncovered, exposed and reveal that hypocrisy, that we have been the one, time after time, saying to this country that you are not who you say you are. We have been the ones standing outside of this this matrix. Well, some of us, you know, Larry Elders, I, you know, Candace Owens, I know. We have been standing outside of their matrix because, as Stevie said, when you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. We learned that in slavery. We learned that in, in uh, post-Reconstruction. Uh, we learned that in the Civil Rights Movement. We learned that in the Black power movement that when you believe in things you don't understand then you suffer we have been the people in this country standing outside of their matrix being the glitch they couldn't lure us in to make the whole goddamn thing work we have taught 
America, focusing in, thinking about their hypocrisy, their fragility, and their democracy. And so many Americans, and this is why we are so important in the glitch, <clears throat> so many Americans are beginning to understand more. I mean, look at last week here at Our Common Ground, we were talking to Dr. We were talking to Dejean. This is a man who is a U.K. citizen. His parents are Kurds. And he sees the glitch in the matrix. The glitch that we have, we have not had language for it. But we have always been the glitch why their matrix does not work. Because we started talking about poverty. We started talking about what a country owes in terms of repairing the damage that they have done. We called out apartheid in South Africa. We called out Jim Crow in Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Louisiana, Missouri, Texas. It was us who created and still stand as commanders of the glitch. So many Americans are beginning to understand because of what we did. More are moving beyond the energy field of the American matrix. The glitch in the matrix in the United States of America is black people. That's that's it. So that you have a better understanding of this matrix thing. Because it's real, I think it's very important for us to be, be able to think through. You know, if you listen to Stevie Wonder's song, he says, "If you believe in things you don't understand, then we suffer." I mean, I don't know how many of you have a copy of The Key of Life, but I I, I think it would be worthwhile for you to look at every piece that Stevie Wonder has on that on that on that album. He's talking to us. He's talking of us. He's talking about black people being the glitch in the matrix. So let's let's get a better understanding. Our number is three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. If you'd like to talk to us about uh, about this, but I think it's real important. We'll talk to you on the other side. The first thing you need to understand is that if you are alive today, then there is almost ninety nine percent probability that you are in the matrix. This is unless you are part of the families that have created it or you are in complete isolation from the rest of the world. The Matrix is a prison, but it is not a physical one. It is a prison for your mind, which makes it more dangerous 
than a physical prison ever could be. In a physical prison, you know that you're there. You know that you're in prison. You see your restraints, your barriers, what imprisons you. What makes a mental prison worse is first, you don't even know that you're there. You don't know that prison exists. And that makes it harder to escape from. Another problem is, once you feel that you have freed yourself, freed your mind, you often find that you have just freed yourself from a corridor of the prison. But the mental prison of the matrix can be very deep and hard to escape. So depending on how far into the matrix you've been, it can be very hard to get out of. You need to review your education history. How much of it did you take in and believe? Then review your entertainment. How much did you watch and listen to? Analyze your friends. How deep are they in it? And how have they influenced you? Or your parents and family. How deep in the world are they? How much of the lies of the world have they eaten up and unknowingly exposed you to? These things are not really easily understood until after you have broken out many layers of the matrix. I just use all of that to explain to you how easy it is for you to be caught up by the matrix and not even know it. Even now in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage. Born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. And all of that is true. The Matrix is everywhere. They have used their wealth in order to control what we fear, what we see, and what we do. Before the modern world that we live in today, if a man wanted to feed his family, he would go out and hunt and bring back his food. He would find land and build his own home. He would raise his children and teach them. Today, if you want to eat, you need to earn money created by the Matrix. You need to buy food created and distributed by the Matrix, who then determines who gets the good food and who gets the bad food, all depending on how to decide to price the food. You can't just build on any land because they brought all the land, and you need to buy it from them, again, with the money that they created. And let's say you had land. You still need to buy supplies from them, from which they also control. Through control of money, they raised the cost of living over time, which made the women get jobs instead of raising their kids in the home. And if you even decided that you still wanted to raise your kid in your own home, you have to get permission and inform your state that you want to homeschool and you need to check in with them every year. You have to tell your government that you want to raise your kids yourself. And if you're not able to homeschool them, you must send them to their schools. It doesn't matter whether it's public or private because they create the curriculum that the kids learn. In their curriculum, they teach the kids to be good, obeying citizens, respecting authority, while keeping themselves the most powerful and wealthy people in the history of the world. They keep themselves out of the history books. So the majority of the world public doesn't even know that they exist. If you think Bill Gates or Amazon's Jeff Bezos are the most wealthy people in the world, this is programming from the Matrix. There is a show on the History Channel about the men who built America. 
But it's ironic that this subject is never taught in our school history classes. They just sum this up as the time period called the age of the Industrial Revolution. Our schools don't teach us about our money and how it is created and by who. They teach us that all we need to do is work hard and get a good education. They tell you that there are only two sides to politics, and they select the candidates that we are to choose from while they control the issues, the candidates, and the agendas. They control the issues we talk about and when we care about things. They control our television and movies and only show content that they approve. They control our music, gospel music too, and they control what we hear. They control our news, so we only concern ourselves with the issues that are important to them, and we will only know about the things that they want us to know about. They control our churches through censorship, placing Masonic leaders as pastors and teaching false doctrine tied into money and success, while they also isolate scriptures while professing the name of Jesus. They control our health through insurance companies, while at the same time they poison our food. They control all of our technology and devices and know more about us than we probably know about ourselves. I could keep going and going, but this is the matrix that has been created. And now back to Our Common Ground. matrix and we stand outside of all the people in the, in the United States we stand outside and we are the glitch because we have raised the issue about I mean if you if you look at if you look at what black people have done in America. We were at the top of the leadership of war resistance in this country. And I mean, you simply have to look at something as simple as when the Congress was giving George uh, W. Bush authorization to wage war in Iraq after 9-11, based on a field of lies, distraction, and, and really manipulation of American response to the attacks on this country, it was one, only one congressperson. All the members of the House of Representatives, all the members of uh, all the sen- all members of the Senate, and that person was a black person. And on 9/11, every 9/11, I salute U.S. Representative Barbara Lee of California. She was the only one that said no, and she was saying it in a way 
bringing leadership outside the matrix. She didn't say no to not defending this country. She said no to giving full authorization for the controllers of the matrix to go to war in the Middle East, specifically in Iraq. And we all know, we all know that, uh, that Saddam Hussein had offended George W. Bush's father, who was the who was the previous president, George H. Bush, Herbert Bush, and had essentially defeated him. And it was, truth be told, a piece of it was revenge against Saddam Hussein. There was not one hijacker or one person associated with the planning of the attacks on the United States of America on 9-11 that was Iraqi. They were all Saudis. They were all connected to al-Qaeda, bin Laden, who's a Saudi. His parents were wealthy Saudi um, uh, contractors, construction contractors, which is why I went through all of that history of who those people were so that you would begin to understand. And no one has ever brought accountability and, you know, it was always curious to me, and I'm always curious about people like Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Thomas Sowell, Clarence Thomas. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Colin Powell. He had been lifted up by the hawks in the Republican Party, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, that tennis man that I can't think of his name, and somebody can put in the chat room if <laughs> if you do a little research for me. I can't. I, I, he was the director of the CIA, and all these people, none of them was accountable. How shameful it was that Colin Powell who question over and over the information being provided to him by the Pentagon, by the National Security Council, by the White House. He questioned it. He called it trash. But he went before the UN selling the United States war and weapons of destruction to the UN. We're going to take a break. Our number is 347-838-9852. I don't see anybody with their hand up on the board, so we're going to take this break, and when we come back, we'll talk some more because I, I, I just think 
it's real important to be able to understand the magnificent way in which black people have resisted. I'm not talking about all black people, but look at the movements that we have created, resisting the matrix. And, 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 you know, and you will have questions about who are all these people who are following Donald Trump, the Trumpers, the Magnus, the Proud Boys, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and where did they come from? Because they're inside the matrix. They believe, the, they believe in things that they don't understand. And they're suffering, and they don't understand that either. 347-838-9852 will take your calls on the other side of this break. Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more. AURN News. I'm Ebony McMorris. Part of the eviction moratorium put in place by New York State has now been blocked by a Supreme Court ruling, now allowing many evictions to resume ahead of the August 31st deadline. According to the ruling, renters can no longer avoid eviction by just submitting a form declaring pandemic hardship. They now have to go to court and prove that they suffered during the pandemic. Now, previously, landlords were kept from challenging the tenant's self-certified claim of that hardship. Attorney Randy Mastro told the New York Post the decision is a victory for small landlords who were denied access to their properties and unable to collect rent for 17 months. Now, it's unclear how many people will be immediately affected. According to a National Equity Atlas database, New York City leads in those who are behind in rent with debt totaling over $3.2 billion. For AURN News, I'm Ebony McMorris. The May labor report saw a decrease in unemployment, going from 6.1 to 5.8. But for the African-American community, that number is still at 9.1%. I spoke with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh about what the administration is doing in communities of color. It was two things. One is he, he did he did an, uh, an executive order on equity to make sure that all cabinets are actually focused on equity, uh, make sure that, that we're really focusing on making sure there's creating opportunities for, for people of color. And then inside of the, both of those plans, he also made equity a, a primary purpose. As a former mayor, I think about laying down some foundation in our city. We have the same issue with unemployment rate in the white community. It's, whatever number it is in the black community is always double. You have to be focused on how do you change that narrative and how do you actually make real change. And the president has incorporated that in the American Jobs Plan. You can check out the full interview on our podcast. For AURN News, I'm Ebony McMorris. 
these laws are targeted and they specifically have the intent to undermine participation by communities of color, by the marginalized and the disadvantaged, and that is wrong. That was voting rights advocate Stacey Abrams speaking on the voter suppression laws popping up all around the country. And it hasn't happened in 20 years, but today a special hearing by the Senate Rules Committee, chaired by Senator Amy Klobuchar, will be held in Georgia over the fight to restrict voting access in the state. Now, the hearing will also feature testimony from voting rights advocates religious leaders, and state senator Raphael Warnock. In addition to this, congressional Democrats are now looking at ways to include voting rights access as part of the $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill offered by the president. Another option would be to give financial incentives to states who adopt various policies surrounding voting rights. For AURN News, I'm Ebony McMorris. This is Our Common Ground. Thank you for joining us tonight. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Our Views. This is Power Views. Reloading the truth. Opening the door to liberation learning. Power Views. Only on TruthWorks Network. Reloading the truth. How do you wake up the entire African American community to the hidden issue of mental health? It showed up in my life through one of my best friends. And we've been friends for over 30 years. One story at a time. If we would have known earlier, you know, we would have been more, much more supportive with her. Once I reached out to my sister, it got a little better. Once I told my mother, it got a little better. The more I talked about it, I felt it coming off. The healing is in me, and the healing in the journey can also be extended to others. It's our community and our mental health. Giving voice to what you're feeling is part of the healing. If you're strong enough to just open your mouth, that's all it takes. And the most revolutionary and healing thing that black people can do right now is to love one another. It's time to share ourselves. Healing starts with us. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human I want to know why I'm fine one minute and the next. My body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now, this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers, it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. Wear the red dress. Wear the wings. Shut your mouth. Be a good girl. Roll over and spread your legs. Yes, ma'am. May the Lord open. Seriously? What the actual...
that happens with the eroding of the right to protest in freedom and with uneven distribution of consequences from law enforcement. It happens when people we think are on our side when it comes to social justice simply don't show up, or worse, shame us for taking action. It happens when we all look at each other and say, this can't last, right? Hoping that it will go away on its own. Meantime, the fascists bill militias. When fascism starts to feel normal, we're all in trouble. All the denial, either from fear or uncertainty, is not helpful. We are seeing the execution in America, not the plan. America Fails, The Coming Tyranny, a 12-week discussion series exploring the possibility, the potential, the now, fascism in America. TruthWorks Network, sneak preview, October 14th, live, 8 p.m. The truth must be spoken more than once. If America Fails, TruthWorks Network. October 14th, 8 p.m. If America Fails, The Coming Tyranny. System, Neil. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. But truth. There is no truth. Human beings are a disease. A cancer of this planet. You are a plague. And we are the cure. So you're here to save the world. I'm trying to free your mind, Neil. But I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through And thank you for being with us here at our Common Ground tonight. I want to remind you before we go back into our discussion of the glitch in the matrix, which are the descendants of the system, U.S. system of shadow slavery. And the matrix is not totally 100% uh, effective because we are the glitch. But want to remind you that on October 14th, and we'll be talking about it 
more next week because the executive, uh, because the senior producer of um, If America Fails, The Coming Tyranny is going to be joining us for a few minutes to talk more about what that 12-week discussion series is going to be all about. It's going to be at 8 p.m. on Thursdays, and it is the basis of the discussion comes from the book and the Hulu TV series, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, And you can go to ifamericafails.wordpress.com to find out more about what I think is going to be a very interesting and very exciting um, uh, program. We have some heavy hitters coming in on the sneak preview on October 14th. Uh, One is an expert on... um, uh, failed states, and the other is an expert on the basis of the overturning of the United States and the political consequences, the social, economic, and cultural uh, consequences that's outlined in both the book and the TV series. If you want to get prepared for October 14th, we suggest that you use YouTube, the the, the If America Fails website, uh, YouTube, and Hulu to catch up and understand that's some serious business going on, and we are seeing a lot of it being mirrored. You have heard me talk on this broadcast about we are in the midst of a civil war. They the media wants to tell you in the in the matrix they want to the matrix would like you to believe that it is just simply a divide. A divide of ideas and ideology and whatever. But the matrix is formulating an aggressive misinformation about the civil war that is occurring in this country. And I don't know if you were with us about maybe four months ago when Pascal Robert was with us talking about the Weimar Republic, which was the democracy in democratic Republic in the in in Germany that fell to the Nazis to Hitler. They were a democratic republic until they weren't. So if America fails, it's going to be some 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 really really in depth understanding of what will happen if what could potentially happen in the United States if it becomes a failed state. And I think we are on the brink and have been on the brink, but they you've been letting them tell you it's a it's a divide. It's more than more than a divide. It's if America fails dot wordpress dot com 
and we hope that you will join us on October 15th at 8 p.m., which is the sneak preview because the discussion forum will not start until January. So you can also join us on Twitter at TruthWorks Network, which is TWN Talk, and TruthWorks Presents, which is going to have a, a lot more information and discussion about the series If America Fails. And we want to thank El Michelle Odom, who's in our chat room tonight, um, for the hard work that she has done in setting up the website and and getting um, guests for the for the the forum. <coughs> and if she would be so kind as to post uh, the two heavy hitters that we have joining us on um, on October fourteenth, that would be helpful. Uh, we want to thank you for being with us uh, tonight. We're talking about the glitch in the matrix, and let me say this about this matrix system. Do not be fooled, but one of the most significant parts of why black people are a glitch in the system is that we have to reach back, understand, and really be insightful about our own history in this country. We were the first people in this country. And, you know, we have to recognize that we're very young. Uh, the gene, uh, Dr. Jean Bajalan, uh, who is an expert in Middle Eastern foreign affairs, reminded us last week that we're a very young country. Of all the countries, we are very young. But we have provided, we have brought constant struggle with America addressing the conflict between what America says they are and what they are actually. We have been the constant stream of resistance, protest to forced and challenged the issue of human rights in this country. We're going to go to our phones, 434, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. Hi, my name's Khalil. I'm calling from Charlottesville, Virginia. Well, welcome, Khalil. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Pretty good. One of the things so I noticed... You, what's your comment? I'm One of the things I noticed is, is this guy, this guy named Alex Jones, he used to be a um, person that would be... Oh, Lord. Like, uh-huh. He used to be one of these people that was civilized, but now he's not, and he only, he'll only call <laughs> out like guts. He only like calls out gun violence when it's an African American doing it in the name of Black Lives Matter. But other than that, every single time there's a shooting, he said it never happened, and people, people fall for it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because like he, he doesn't. Go ahead. He doesn't what? Because he, you know, he doesn't want he doesn't want anything like progress with black people, and uh, he um, basically he doesn't want anything. He just supports his his right to bear arms. I support the right to bear arms, but I'm not. That's not the only thing that's good for the Constitution, and that's not the only thing. You have to have compassion towards people that have been victims of violence, and you have to make up your mind. And Alex Jones doesn't do any of that stuff. So are are you newly uh, exposed to Alex Jones? He's been around a long time. No, I started with him in 2008. Mm Mm-hmm. I started liking him, but after a while, I, I started to know he wasn't very consistent and he wasn't very compassionate. And he plays uh-huh. both sides of the fence when it comes to race and when it comes to gun violence, which really makes me angry. Oh, okay. Well, Ed, you know, you've made some progress in your own thinking, Khalil. But let me, would you like to know what I what I think of Alex Jones? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones is a narcissistic, egomaniac, uh, not well versed in um, uh, in issues for which he portends to be an expert. He's a verbose piece of shit. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. And and see, this is this is why it's so important, Khalil. Have you been listening to the entire broadcast tonight? No, I, I just got home and not too long ago, and I started listening okay. to it. Okay. You might want to go back because we're talking about the Matrix. Are, are you familiar with the film? Have you seen the film? Yeah. Okay. We're it. talking about the Matrix in the context of socioeconomic, cultural, historical um, systems, a system in this country that has been built by powerful, resourceful, um, and controlling mostly men. And it's only been in the last 10 years where there have been women who are part of the construction of the matrix, uh, in my opinion, that um, have been participants, serious contenders for participation. And right. one of the things that um, that I've been pointing out is that the matrix is unsuccessful in this country because there's a glitch. And the glitch in the matrix in the United States, and partly, you know, when you think about it globally, has been people who are the descendants of the U.S. system of chattel slavery. Right. Because our journey and our history has taught us something very fundamental that you you don't accept things 
which you don't understand because you suffer when you do. And that's come, that's come straight out of Stevie Wonder, you know. Yeah. That's why we've been playing that song. You don't accept, black people do not accept the things that we do not understand. We 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 demand as part of our resistance an understanding of those things for which we participate. And 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 when I say understanding, I'm talking about an ideological, conceptual understanding of what the hell are you doing. And most of us have brought resistance to the American matrix. You get me? Yeah, I do. Okay. So, uh, you know, have have you listened to this broadcast before? Have you joined us before? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, okay. How did you find us tonight? Well, see, I listen to Blog Talk Radio a lot, and I found you on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, okay, great. It's good to know that marketing on Blog Talk Radio works. But, you know, part of the matrix in this country um, is that a significant part of how, how the matrix has been constructed is media in this country. And one of, if you think about it, over the last, I would say, 18 years, why so many white people are listening to, moved to Fox News from NBC, ABC, CBS, is because it didn't fit for them because the Matrix told them that uh, the matrix directed them because they believed in superstition to Fox News. That's why Fox News was so impressively successful. You get that part? Yeah, but, I do. But here's, yeah, here's the other part, Khalil, that I think is also important, and I want you all to hear me out. that one of the reasons that Fox, CNN, MSNBC, PBS, NPR is allowed to be successful and effective is because it fits into the goal of controlling the messages from the Matrix, and if you if you've ever if you watch the film, if you watch the film, you understand exactly exactly why I'm trying to make this comparison to fit the theme and the lessons found in the film, The Matrix. And I'm going to tell black people, you know, Khalil, I don't know how old you are, but I'm old. I've been doing this broadcast, Our Common Ground, for 34 years. I was on terrestrial radio before the Internet. 
and and I've been fired from two two radio stations. So <laughs> I like to say that as part of my resume when I when I write up my resume, I've been fired from two radio stations because of a conflict in content uh, in content. But how black people are drawn into the matrix, and you all hear me very clearly, how you get drawn, I mean, we are the glitch on the outside of the matrix. And the way in which black people are drawn into the matrix has to do with how the matrix defines class, economic class, how the matrix defines what we should be listening to, how we we should be responding to it. And I'm going to tell you all something for somebody that's been doing this for 34 years. Serious Radio, the urban view was created to draw you into the matrix. That truth causes you pay $30 a month to be a member in the matrix, to be a part of the matrix. With all these podcasts, with uh, broad uh, academic editions, uh, experts, uh, I mean, you you can listen to This Is Revolution, you can li- listen to uh, Black News, Net- whatever, um, uh, Dr. Bell's uh network is on the internet um you can listen to a lot of black people trying to direct you and provide insightful information based on black truth but black people are paying thirty dollars a month to listen to serious radio which is corporate radio is i mean is i mean let's let's be real about it if any one of them gets out of line, they're going to get fired, and they know it. So they do a lot of pandering to black people around black people's problems, standing on black people's back. I'm sorry, Khalil, I didn't mean to go off while you're on the uh, <laughs> on the line, but there's certain comments that trigger trigger me. Now, since you've not been here before, I want to say this to you, Khalil. We appreciate your call. And for all new callers, you know what I do? I don't ring bells. I don't send you ginger candy or stuff like that or a T-shirt or a mouse pad or whatever. I give you the word of the week. Would you like the word of the week, Khalil? Yes, ma'am. Okay. The word of the week at our common ground this week is anomalous, anomalous, A-N-O-M-A-L-O-U-S. Do you do you have that word in your vocabulary? A uh, little bit. Okay, anomalous. It's an adjective, and it means deviating from the general are the common order. And I think that black people ought to work real hard to become 
a, 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 an organ, organized uh, warriors tribe of anomalous people. Don't you, Khalil? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I think we cannot participate in this whole thing. That's why I chose the word. Um, and and I've been giving new callers uh, word of the week for 34 years. I always have a new word for a new caller. So I want you to use that word anomalous. Teach it to two other people. You have any children? No. Okay. You but you you have you have children in your neighborhood, right? Yeah. Grab them up this week and teach them the word anonymous. Anomalous. Okay. Um and <clears throat> I try to learn a new word every week. And I started doing it when I was about maybe about 13 years old, 14 years old. Um yeah, um, a man, an adult man who I used to play tennis with, every time he came to the tennis court, he brought me a new word. And it made me treasure and understand the need to have a good working vocabulary. So, Khalil, I hope you'll be with us every Saturday. Have you checked out any of our archives? No. Okay, we we suggest that you do that. Uh, are you on Twitter? No, I don't know how to do that type of stuff. What do you mean you don't know how I to do, do it? Well, see, I um, have a hard time. Okay. I, I'm on Facebook, though. Okay, well, join us on Facebook. We're on Facebook, Our Common Ground with, uh, Our Common Ground, what is it? Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Yeah. We've got nine Facebook pages. <laughs> and you can find them all at our common ground with Janice Graham. It's O C G Talk or something like that. We've been on Facebook since two thousand and seven. Been on Twitter since two thousand and nine. And we've been at Blog Talk Radio since two thousand and nine. Let me ask you another question, because my senior producer is listening to the show tonight, and um, would you prefer a radio genre as opposed to going to YouTube to listen to a discussion? Radio genre? Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, we're getting ready to do this. Do you watch the Hulu? T- have you read or the book, or do you watch the Hulu TV series, The Handmaid's Tale? No, I never heard of it. Really? Uh-uh. Did you hear? Did you hear our promo on it? Did I'm you, not sure. Did you hear our promo? I heard some promos before this show started, but I I don't remember what I heard too much. Okay. Well, you can go to ifamericafails.wordpress.com to learn more about our October 14th sneak preview to a 12-week 
discussion forum that's going to start in December. I mean, in in January. Khalil, I've mm-hmm. enjoyed talking to you. I hope you put us on your favorites list. Uh, we're here every Saturday night at 10 p.m. You know, I used to do this every day for four hours. Oh. Except Saturday and Sundays. Even all my specials were on Saturdays, but I didn't do too much broadcasting on Sunday. Even though the Sunday after 9/11 in 2001, I was on the air on both Saturday and Sunday because I was working at a terrestrial radio station. So we're we're glad to hear hear from you. Tell us the, where are you from in Virginia? Charlottesville. Oh, Charlottesville. Oh my God. Yeah, y'all got y'all problems too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Alex Alex Jones is he he was one of the organizers of the January sixth insurrection. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Do a Google. Do you have Google? Yeah. You got Google, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do a Google on Alex Jones. He's best friends oh, yeah. with Steve Bannon. He's competitors to Steve Bannon. They're all running a contest to to see who can be the worst scum piece of shit in America. And one of the people in my chat room is saying that his hometown is Yorktown, Virginia, which is 120 miles on I-64. You know about that, right, Khalil? Yeah. Okay. You don't talk much. I guess you don't have your own talk show, even though you listen to Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Okay. Good to hear from you, Khalil, and you take care. You be safe out there. I will. Did you get your vaccine? Are are you vaccinated? Uh Yeah. Okay. Alex Jones is telling people, uh, Alex Jones is telling people to take the um, ivermectin, which is a horse warming medication uh, for COVID-19, because that's a kind of scum, nasty species of a not-so-human being he is. Okay. Khalil, thanks for your call. We hope to talk to you you next Saturday. Okay, you have a good week. You too. We're we're glad to hear from Khalil uh, down there in Charlottesville. Can you imagine... I mean, but, you know, people are probably saying to me, well, damn, you live in Florida. <laughs> I do. I do. And one of the things that I've had a conversation, I, be, I used to be quite an activist in uh, Florida and here in Palm Beach County. You all want to hear my... my um, uh, uh, Yahoo thing. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use Otis's a posting in the chat room for my for my example. I beg to differ 
women have been intricately involved since the 1890s in the Lost Cause, which is the indoctrination arm of narrative over reality. Now, now you all tell me that's not good. That's good. Um, and, and, Otis, you weren't listening. I said significant and serious, making policy. Okay. Um, who became mayor of Charlottesville after her police chief was fired? She's calling it quits. Um, I'm not following in the chat room. I have no idea. But I do want to throw out to all of you the word of the week, now that you know, anomalous. I use it a lot in my writing. It is an adjective which means deviating from the general or common order. Anomalous, A-N-O-M-A-L-O-U-S. Um, and in the chat room, we're getting another word, a recommendation, not irrestable. Are there too many R's in there? Irremissible. Irremissible is mine. And Otis is saying Ms. Valonia more on sixth grade. His sixth grade teacher started him on collecting vocabulary words, on building his vocabulary in the sixth grade. That's, that's really great. Let me um, point out to you one of my one of my oldest friends, um, um, very smart man, Playthel George Benjamin, who used to have a show. <laughs> I mean, I love Playthel, but y'all know I fired him some years ago because he didn't know how to treat he didn't know how to treat callers. He had a wonderful show with Dr. Basil Wilson. Uh, call commentaries on the time on TruthWorks Network on Tuesday nights. It was a wonderful show, and Conrad acted. Okay, here's another word. So so niggardly toward a caller that I just had to fire him because he he didn't understand. But here's another example of why we are a glitch. <clears throat> Excuse me. A glitch in the matrix. Um back in this is this is more evidence back in two thousand and one. Uh Plato Benjamin, who I met when he was teaching at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, he wrote a piece in the black world today. Um, and he was, he really was a prime example of how black people glitch out. 
He wrote, listening to the swelling howl for blood vengeance that I mean, and Playthell lives in, in Harlem, and um, he, from his balcony, or he doesn't like to call it a balcony. He likes to call it, uh, what's he call it? Uh, his, um, his um, garden. Um, listening to the swelling from the from his garden, his deck garden, he was able to see the 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 billowing smoke from the towers, and he wrote a piece about it, and um. He wrote the present conflict with Osama bin Laden and the pending invasion of Afghanistan to arrest him is also the consequence of misguided American meddling. Okay. Um... Then he wrote in the same piece, finally there is America's long-standing policy of always supporting the Israelis in their struggle with the Palestinians. On Tuesday, the Arab-American leaders who met with the president the day before held a press conference at which they candidly addressed the issue of America's apparent unconditional support for Israel as a major source of hatred for this country in the Islamic world. He went on to say, to write, listening to the swelling howl for blood vengeance that now drowns out, drowns out any attempt at a rational and honest discussion of the issues surrounding the most deadly terrorist attack in U.S. history I fear for the future of my children. With one child living in an area where there's a major concentration of military installations and another dwelling in the shadows of nuclear reactors, a quiet but persistent terror creeps into my soul. And, I mean, if you know anything about the work of Playthel Benjamin, you know that... I have never read a piece that's not more than five pages for Playthell. So if you go on the Our Common Ground Facebook page, and we're going to place it on our website, don't forget to get yourself ready for If America Fails, The Coming Tyranny. And I really need your help, Otis. All of y'all, <laughs> I really need your help in marketing this show. Go to ifamericafails.wordpress.com, get the word out. We're bringing the heavy hitters. I'll give you an idea of who we have invite, who we have uh, coming, Dr. Um, Ruth Ben-Ghiat has agreed to be with us. Karen Rosen, Dr. Karen Rosenfeld 
has agreed to be with us. Uh, we have invited Dr. Ruby Sales, Isabel, Wilker, Isabel Wilkerson, and many others to talk about the potential, the possibility. In this discussion forum series, If America Fails, we're asking you, Can it happen in America? And what uh, what other and whatever your answer is, are you sure? Fascism has woven a blood-stained thread through the American fabric. Thank you all for being with us tonight. We hope you'll join us next week. Uh, I'm hoping that next week we'll have Dr. James Taylor with us. If not, I'll be here. I ain't going nowhere. I'm I'm definitely going to be here. ourselves to find out how we have been guilty. Not for the sake of just wallowing in our guilt, but for the sake of facing the fact that the future of our culture, of our country, depends not so much on what black people do as it does depend on what white people do. This is a hard lesson for some of us, that the choice as to whether or not we will rid the country of racism is a choice that white America has to make. Thank you for listening, and for those of you who have joined us in our chat room, please help us grow and let your friends and comrades know that we are here each Saturday. Have a good week. Prepare to fight the power. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And right now. I stand accused of loving you. And I hope, I hope it's not a crime, because if it is, I 
Thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time.